0: Hello and welcome to an abridged version of our publication, Anti-Bullying Interventions in Schools, What Works? Today we're looking at what the evidence shows about effective approaches to anti-bullying. Bullying involves something more than a single altercation between equals. It's a type of ongoing behaviour which involves repeatedly misusing power in a relationship to cause distress or harm. Bullying can be visible and relatively easy to detect, such as physical actions, name-calling and insults. In some cases though, it is hidden from adults. This type of covert bullying can include spreading rumours, excluding, threatening, blackmailing and stealing friends. Online bullying or cyberbullying is one type of covert bullying. Bullying can have significant negative short-term and long-term consequences for students. It is a difficult problem to shift, but we know that certain anti-bullying interventions at school can work to reduce bullying behaviours. School strategies might be preventative, where the aim is to stop bullying occurring in the first place, or responsive, where the aim is to take steps to resolve the problem after bullying has occurred. Whichever approach is taken, The strategies that have the most impact on reducing and preventing bullying usually share the following four characteristics. One, a holistic approach. Two, teaching anti-bullying content in the classroom. Three, support and professional development for teachers. And four, rigorous program implementation and evaluation. Next we'll take a look at what these characteristics look like in preventative anti-bullying strategies before looking at a range of responsive anti-bullying approaches. In effective preventative strategies, a holistic school approach includes a school-wide anti-bullying policy, a focus on key school environments where bullying is known to occur, a culture of reporting bullying, and partnering with parents and carers. Our school-wide anti-bullying policy clearly sets out a shared understanding of bullying and how best to respond to it. It needs to be well promoted to all staff, students and families. It should include policies, plans and structures for supporting safety and well-being, a clear mechanism for confidential reporting of any incidents, clearly communicated procedures for staff to follow when responding to incidents of student harm, agreements for responsible use of technology by staff and students, regular risk assessments of the physical school environment, clear protocols about appropriate and inappropriate adult to student interactions, effective strategies for staff to record and communicate about safety and wellbeing issues, a representative group responsible for overseeing school safety and wellbeing, protocols for informing new staff, students and families about the policy. A focus on key school environments where bullying is known to occur, such as the classroom and the playground, helps schools promote a positive school climate. Teachers play an important role in creating an environment that is either conducive or inhibitive to bullying. Good teacher-student relationships encourage students to seek help with bullying and good classroom management, where teachers monitor and respond to student behaviour is highly effective in reducing bullying. In the playground, high levels of playground supervision are significantly associated with reductions in bullying, and improvements to playgrounds, such as providing creative opportunities for students, have a positive effect on reducing bullying. A school culture of reporting bullying is critical but challenging to achieve. Although many schools report that they promote a reporting culture, only a minority of students being bullied actually seek help from a teacher. This is especially the case with online bullying where students may feel that if they report bullying behaviour their computer or phone may be taken away. As well as promoting a culture where reporting bullying is the norm and not seen as snitching, schools may need to introduce data collection and reporting systems to measure and track bullying and target interventions. Involving families in school anti-bullying strategies recognises that a child's broader environment impacts their behaviour. Family functioning and parent-child relationships have a significant influence on a child's risk of being involved in or experiencing bullying. Programs that involve parents and carers have a positive effect on reducing bullying. Some ways to include families in an anti-bullying strategy include regular newsletters, consultation on policies, meetings, after-school clubs to support parents of at-risk students and an open-door policy for access to staff. The next common theme among effective preventative approaches is anti-bullying content in the classroom. Teachers and students overwhelmingly report positive responses to classroom content that allows students to develop social and emotional skills and learn ways to respond to bullying. Social and emotional learning programs aim to build student skills in self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationships and responsible decision making. Improvement in these skills is linked to a reduction in negative behaviours such as bullying. Helping students to develop skills in empathy, emotion management and social problem solving can help students in their peer interactions while contributing to a positive school climate that promotes inclusiveness and tolerance of diversity. Another key component of anti-bullying content in the classroom is the promotion of upstander behaviour. Bystanders play a critical role in the group dynamics of bullying. Many bystanders unintentionally reinforce bullying behaviour by giving signals that bullying is acceptable or even entertaining. Teaching upstander behaviour involves giving students the skills that will enable them to shift from being passive bystanders to actively defending someone being bullied. This involves giving students an understanding of the role of bystanders in the bullying process and safe strategies to support someone who is experiencing bullying behaviour. The third component of effective anti-bullying strategies is teacher support and professional development. Teacher training is significantly associated with a decrease in bullying. Unfortunately many teachers feel underprepared to deal with bullying and feel they need extra training. There is a need for sustainable professional development in this area To increase teachers' ability to identify and respond to bullying with effective interventions. Schools wanting to implement effective anti bullying strategies should consider targeted and sustained professional development for staff. The fourth element that effective anti bullying strategies have in common is systematic implementation and evaluation. To be effective, any intervention needs to be implemented carefully and with fidelity. Schools may be enthusiastic about a new anti-bullying intervention, but these good intentions can quickly be overtaken by competing pressures and priorities. When schools take shortcuts or make significant changes to a program, they can lessen its effectiveness. To avoid this problem, it is important for schools to systematically monitor the implementation of a new intervention and evaluate its impact. So far we've looked at what characteristics are usually present in effective preventative programs. In this section we briefly consider a range of responsive anti-bullying approaches which vary in effectiveness. Direct sanctions is a responsive approach which involves imposing negative consequences on students who engage in bullying behaviour. Consequences might include verbal reprimands, meeting with parents, removal from class, withdrawal of privileges, detention, suspension and expulsion. The majority of schools use direct sanctions, but there is mixed evidence on how effective they are in reducing bullying. Schools themselves report that they are the least effective of all responsive strategies that they use. While some researchers have found that firm disciplinary methods can reduce bullying, other studies have shown no benefit. One study found that direct sanctions are effective if they form part of a school's anti-bullying policy and are used in the framework of other, more restorative approaches. Restorative practice requires students responsible for bullying to meet with a student being bullied. The parties describe their experience and those responsible for bullying develop ideas for how to approach this situation schools rate restorative practice as being the most effective of all the responsive approaches used. Mediation is a slightly different approach where a trained mediator facilitates a discussion between students who then work together to identify an agreed approach to resolving the conflict. Mediation can be highly effective in resolving conflict between students but some research suggests it may not be well suited to bullying because it does not take into account the power imbalance between the students involved. The support group method is particularly relevant to situations where a number of students are involved in bullying behaviour. This approach involves interviewing the student being bullied, supporting them and encouraging them to disclose who was responsible for bullying them. Those responsible then meet separately with a practitioner and with a group of students who act as supporters of the student being bullied. The students responsible for bullying identify what they will do to help improve the situation. This system is not widely used, but schools that do use it rate it positively. The method of shared concern is another responsive approach to bullying, which can be effective. In this method, a practitioner meets individually with students suspected of bullying and raises concerns about a student being bullied, without making accusations. The practitioner seeks acknowledgement that the bullied student is experiencing distress and asks the interviewee to identify how they can help to improve the situation. All students involved in the bullying then meet to collectively develop a plan for how they will resolve the situation and reduce the distress of the student they have bullied. The practitioner then meets with the bullied student to offer support before holding a meeting with all involved students, where those responsible for the bullying offer their proposed solution to the student who has been bullied. Evidence supports the effectiveness of this approach and it is rated positively by schools that use it. That concludes our audio version of this publication. We hope this resource has provided you with useful information about what works when it comes to anti-bullying interventions. The full version of the paper includes examples of successful anti-bullying interventions from Australia and around the world. To read the full paper, please visit the Cz website at cz.nsw.gov.au. For more detailed information about how to respond to bullying, visit the New South Wales Department of Education's anti-bullying website at antibullying.nsw.gov.au. And schools looking to implement anti-bullying strategies can visit the Kids Matter website at kidsmatter.edu.au. This site contains a program guide to help schools select social and emotional learning programs that suit their needs. This audio paper was written and produced by the Centre for Education Statistics and Evaluation, or Cese and is read by Bridget O'Keefe. Thanks for listening.